It's the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy patron bonus episode. Hello and welcome to the people who are a fan of racist writers from the early 20th century podcast. I'm talking with a fan of racism, Mr. Josh Addison, to talk about the most recent racist podcast on the BBC, The Whisperer in Darkness. Josh, tell me how much you love racism. Not, not, not too much. Really? Well, I mean, as a white man, I do benefit from institutional racism, so... There must be something to it. Now, of that course, doesn't make sense at all. We're talking about H.P. Lovecraft, Lovecraft yeah, yes. who famous author was very racist, yes. and it does come through in his writing. It does. And, and the thing is, what's great about modern adaptations of Lovecraft is actually getting rid of the mm. racism, as we saw with the wonderful Nick Cage film *Color from Space*. Now, we're talking here about a new BBC podcast, The Whisper in Darkness, which is a sequel to a podcast from earlier this year, The Curious Case of Charles Dexter Ward. There's a helicopter flying overhead, but we just came to yeah. have to co co cope it with that. It gives a nice conspiratorial feel. I now, think. we so listened to others. The Curious Case of mm. Charles Dexter Ward, which had the notion of taking a Lovecraftian story and doing it through the lens of a true crime podcast. Mm. Now, I think it's fair to say it was a good adaptation, but also a piss-poor true crime podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, partly it, uh, it's sort of... The, the setup involves these true crime podcasters finding themselves sucked into this weird world of, of mysterious cults and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I, th I thought it did what it did well. But, but it never were... actually sounded like a podcast, did it? It no, sounded like a no. scripted drama yeah. pretending to be a podcast. Mm. Yeah, but that was okay. But um, And so th the reason why it's good for us to talk about is, if you're not familiar with the case of Charles Dexter Ward, it's a story of basically a um, man discovers his ancestor was a wizard who could bring people back from the, li uh, from the dead. <laughs> bring from... people back from the life. I do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, bring people back from the dead. Um, brings his ancestor back from the dead, his ancestor uh, kills him and takes his place, and then people have to sort of unravel what's happened and defeat the evil wizard. The podcast, rather than just being an evil wizard, gets this whole sort of cult angle going on, and this, the, the particular wizard was sort of a leader of the cult, but then there's this Mesopotamian deity and cultists all over the place, and so, on and, so on and so on and so forth. Um, so that they sort of expanded on the story, and I thought by the end it got a little bit like at the end where without getting too spoilery it sort of finishes with you finding that yet another character was actually working for the cult all along and when you think back it's like does that really make sense that that character was with the cult all along because like he came to them didn't he and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't quite buy that and um but yeah but it was nevertheless a, a very good listen they, they sort of uh, took benefit of the podcasty format in a few interesting ways, like having when sort of one of the researchers is walking through this what's basically the evil wizard's um, Un secret lair, underground lair, underground yeah. lair. There will be sort of mysterious chanting and otherworldly noises which she doesn't hear, but get picked up on the podcast and stuff like that. It's sort of they, they had some nice effects, um, and so now they're doing Whisper in the Darkness. Uh, which, if you're not familiar with the H.P. Lovecraft story, is sort of about essentially alien abductions, kind of, but but instead of being little grey men, it's it's otherworldly beings from Pluto or somewhere like from that. From beyond the stars. From beyond the stars. Um, and but they've tied the two together. So 
they now they sort of get the, another case of this guy who sent a whole bunch of messages saying, "Oh no, I'm being I have being harassed by these aliens," and then eventually one saying, "Actually, ignore what I said. Everything's fine," and then disappears. And as they look into it, they start immediately seeing connections with the previous case, and so they sort of tie. They, they seem to be tying the two completely separate Lovecraft stories together via this sort of this weird cult that appears to be permeating things. Now, three episodes are out online. Mm. This is making it sound like we're doing some kind of sponsored content. Mm. There's no sponsoring here at all. We're just interested we just in like a particular yep. kind, kind of thing. And I have to say, I'm enjoying it, but my same complaint about the last season, it still actually doesn't sound like a true crime podcast. No, no, it doesn't. And it's interesting... Like in the the first story, they sort of they have the setup of this mysterious benefactor, who of course ends up being part of the cult, who keeps sending the money to investigate. So they sort of, he keeps sort of yanking the chain and drawing them into it. This time, they're just kind of doing it on their own, and they, there seems to be less reason for them to immediately get sucked into it all. And of the first three episodes, especially the third one, has a bunch of what I could only really describe as cliches when it comes to sort of mysterious culty activities, underground car park rendezvous with mysterious speakers. Yeah, that, and, that yeah. bit I thought was particularly ridiculous. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, oh, and also it um, it almost completely invalidates the end of the previous podcast, but maybe that's going to be yeah, a setup for something else. Yeah, because we'll that's actually yeah. a major plot point in episode three is a is a warning mm, about... Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, see, yeah, we'll see. What's interesting for us from a conspiracy theory angle is they're making heavy reference to the Rendlesham mm, incident. And number stations. Yes, so we, now we've talked about number stations on the podcast before. We've not really no. talked about Rendlesham. Now, Rendlesham is the British Roswell. Mm. It's a early 80s UFO sighting that actually took place between two Air Force bases in the UK and is taken to be the most credible UFO sighting in UK history and is associated with a large number of cover-up theories as to what really happened at the time. So I'm thinking, by the time we get to the end of Whisper and Darkness, which will be sometime early next year, we should do a Rendlesham story, and then for the patron bonus episode, talk about Whisper and Darkness and how they leverage the Rendlesham mm. stuff for that particular story. I like your thinking. So do I. Mm. That's why I live in my own brain case. Oh, that's a good idea. But that's not the topic no. for today's episode. Today's topic is sovereign Soviet citizens or Soviet sovereign citizens, which is kind of a Freeman on the mm. land theory. Now, going back through our list of actual topics, we've talked about Freeman on the land yep. and sovereign citizen come movements. Up. We've never actually devoted an entire no. episode to that weird phenomena but or phenomenon but today seems like a good time to talk mm. about the soviet equivalent yes so if you if you don't remember when we've talked about them in the past and you're not familiar sovereign citizens or freemen on the land which i think seems to be the more the more british i mean they are ever so slightly different mm. so freemen on the land is the specific maritime law version the sovereign citizen thing is just the general the laws of the land don't apply to me because hypothesis. Mm. So it's basically people who, who kind of think they've they've come up with the cheat codes to society. They people who reckon they've found 
loopholes which allow them to not be bound by the laws of the land. And often this comes along with the belief that the, the, the government, the laws of the land are actually illegitimate and it's only because we're sort of deceived or tricked in some way by the government that we believe these laws apply to us. And if you really know what's going on and if you do things right and play by the right rules, then the laws don't apply to you and you aren't liable for taxes or to pay your utility bills and so on and so on and so forth. And indeed, it's in interesting, the Wikipedia entry on the sovereign citizen movement, and it's always good to refer to these things to get an idea of what people would generally believe mm. about a thing, refers to it as a loose grouping of American and Commonwealth litigants, commentators, tax protesters, and financial scheme promoters. Because there is a bit of grift involved, generally, when these good old Wes Good old Wesley Snipes was one of those grifters. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why he spent several years in prison. Mm. He didn't need a syntax. And, I mean, these are based on, yeah, the Freeman on the Land stuff, there's weird interpretations of maritime law and claiming that they take precedent over real law and... Um, various other reasons for believing that society is illegitimate, but they're either misunderstandings coupled with a bit of wishful thinking, um, coupled with just just plain uh, poor information. They they kind of come across as the whole. You know, there was there was that thing in in England, I think, where people for a while seemed to believe, well, some people would believe that police officers aren't allowed to perform their duties unless they're in uniform. And if a police officer isn't wearing his hat, then he's not fully in uniform. So there used to be this urban myth that in England, if you could knock a police officer's hat off, he was powerless to do anything against you. Oh my God, I lost me hat. Which obviously, in reality, if you knocked a policeman's hat off who was trying to arrest you, he would arrest you both for the thing he was going to arrest you for and before and for assaulting officer. a police officer. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's sort of that kind of writ large that expanded out to the idea of a, of a, of society. Um, and it turns out it's not unique to the English-speaking world. So No, there is a Soviet yeah. equivalent here. And so these are people who believe that basically the legal writ that turned the USSR into a whole bunch of post- or ex-Soviet republics, including the foundational document of the Federation of Russia, was illegal, and thus only USSR or Soviet laws still apply. Mm. So, in particular, uh, there's this... this um, the document dissolving the Soviet Federalist Social Republic... Um, which was signed on December 25th on Christmas Day, 1991, by those Boris Those don't respect mm. Christmas. It's but, the original war on Christmas. Yes. Well, we, ha we haven't done one of those episodes no, for a while. actually, but then it's kind of petered out a bit. I, I mean, it, it pops up every year, but people don't seem as enthusiastic about it as they used to be. I don't know. No, there's a war on Christmas the theory occurring in Australia oh, at the there? moment with Angus Taylor, who we mentioned about the whole whole discussion about the... Lord Mayor of Sydney and the expenditure being spent oh, right. by Sydney. And apparently he was dorming at Oxford with Naomi Wolf at the same time. And Naomi Wolf was leading a war on Christmas in the dorms and Angus Taylor defeated it. And Naomi Wolf was going, yeah, I was at Oxford two years before you were. I was back in the US by the time the story occurred. I also love Christmas. This is all a lie. Mm. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Yes, so uh, so this was done on Christmas Day, 1991, by by Boris Yeltsin, who was the president at the time, and they claim that this is illegal for some reason. I don't quite get the the full reasoning behind it, but essentially they say the USSR. You know the episode of The Simpsons where where they're like the USSR. We thought you guys broke up, and they're like, that's just what we wanted you to think. And then all the all the tanks pop out, and 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 Lenin starts running around saying, must destroy capitalism. They're they they're kind of like stage one of that. They seem to think the USSR never actually legally went away, and that therefore all these these ex-Soviet states are illegitimate, and so therefore you're not bound. They're Soviet sovereign citizens. They are citizens of the USSR, which still exists, and not citizens of Russia or Ukraine or Crimea or the various other... I can't, I can't remember what all the ex-Soviet states are, but, um, but basically those are legal fictions, and the only thing that counts is the USSR. Actually, this makes me think of a rather in interesting story from ancient history. So the Athenian democracy voted itself out of existence to allow Sparta to take control of it. So the Athenian democracy, made up of the best men, and only the best men, of the population of a Athens, one day voted to stop being a democracy and to impose tyrants to allow Sparta to take control. And many people at the time went, you can't just vote your democracy out of power. That's, uh, you're acting undemocratically at that particular point in time. So you're no longer acting as a democracy, which means you're not actually democratically representing the people, which means it's an illegitimate vote. But the joke was on them because after the Athenians got bored of tyranny, they voted themselves back into being a democracy. Mm. And you can kind of imagine... Soviet sovereign citizens going, the Athenians can vote themselves in and out of existence. Why can't we just go back to being communists again? Mm. But yeah, I mean, it, so it seems like it actually seems a lot bigger. Maybe that's just because it's a bigger area with more, there's just a more larger population so in general. We're going to get on to the fact that certain utility companies are respecting this. The shorthand or, for this yeah. is. Russia's in such a deleterious and dilapidated state economically that it kind of has to be treated seriously because the entire economy is teetering on the edge of collapse anyway. Mm. And anything which makes the collapse faster is something that people want to avoid. Yeah, and but I think also that exact uh, that's exactly why this is become more of a thing in the first yeah. place people the economy back mechanism yeah, the economy is rubbish and people are like oh this sucks having to pay all this tax and all these power bills and stuff i really wish i didn't have to and then someone comes along and says aha you don't actually have to they they've just tricked you into thinking you do but really you're a citizen of the ussr and therefore you're not bound by any of these laws so you don't have to pay your power bill and you don't have to pay your taxes and so on and so forth and so that's it's been a very attractive message to a lot of people to the extent that yeah we've um Seen lots of people. Uh, people have been refusing to pay their utility bills and then or getting their power cut off. Only paying it in Soviet currency, mm. not Russian currency. 
uh, getting their power cut off, but then restored and so on. But it's got to the extent that in some cases there's been so much money owed to power companies that the governments have basically said, you've just got to forgive this debt, dude. It's not gonna, you're not going to get yeah. it back and there'll be riots if you try to do something about yeah, it. Because you'd be so, cutting off X percent of the population mm. and that's actually quite yeah. big now. And, so know, we're, we're talking just, about figures of, yeah. of billions of rubles, millions of tens of millions of dollars. Um, yeah, so they, they, they've just kind of had to eat it. Um, but yes, as we, we talked about the grifting before, so there have been lots of people who are making money out of this. There are people selling USSR documents, USSR passports and driver's licenses. Now, I should so point out, if the USSR is still a functional system of governance in Russia, shouldn't have to buy a passport. Mm. It should be issued by the appropriate authority. Anyone who is buying a USSR passport, thinking the, the government of the USSR is all a functional entity, does appear to be an idiot. Yes. But there are, there, there are a lot of such idiots, if that's what they are. There's, there, there are various sort of unions without, uh, within the Soviet states, some of which have tens of thousands of members. Um, and so sort of some people are... Some people have been looking at the, the people in charge of them who claim that, well, I'm not making any money out of this, it's all coming out of my own pocket and so on, but then that's, that's questionable in some cases. Um, but yeah, there are these people there, there on, on the, it's sort of the internet has um, been responsible possibly for, the, for the, 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 not resurgence of it, the surgence. Is that a thing? The development of it in any, in any case. Reconstruence. Yes. Um, so apparently the internet you know, allow, allows these theories to spread and it gives people a platform. There are various YouTube channels of people, you know, sort of driving around in their car and getting pulled over by a police officer because they don't have proper license plates and them saying, well, actually, officer, I'm a, a citizen of the USSR, as you can see for this, from the sticker on my windscreen. And here is my USSR passport and my USSR driver's license. And, and basically being um, Sarah from the labyrinth and just saying, you have no power over me. And generally the police officer is like, okay, you just go away now, please. And it sort of, it works for them. But um, it's a little bit... Uh, it, it, it would be a worry if this were to become a, a much more widespread thing. Now, what's interesting about this from the perspective of Freeman on the Land, Sovereign Citizen stuff, is that whilst this isn't working in the US, the UK, or Aotearoa, New Zealand, because it has been attempted here, mm -hmm. as you point out, it is actually working in the USSR slash the Federation of Russia. So it's fascinating that a movement which has failed to work in America is actually working quite nicely in Russia, which I think goes to speak to the fact that America's infrastructure may be in a fairly bad state, but Russia's so much worse. Yes. So, so much worse. Mm -hmm. But the conspiracy angle is fascinating because, of course, Soviet sovereign citizens are of the firm belief that the Russian Federation knows it's an illegitimate government. Mm, yeah, that's where these things come from. I don't know so much about the, the, the Soviet sovereign stuff, but the Freeman on the land things are all about how it's sort of like how the government will trick you into what, what, once once you once you consent to I often talk about in terms of contracts once you consent to enter into a contract with the government then they've got you and you have to play by their rules so they have to be very careful to to not enter into a contract and so on and yes, so which is why they want to separate their legal identity mm. from their personhood and so they'll send back 
um, government notices and power bills and so on with no contract written on them and so on. And they seem to think that if they, if they, if they speak the right words, if they, if they behave the right way, then the government can't touch them. And unfortunately, the few times this has shown up in court, they basically try to have their way and the, the, the judge just says, don't be so bloody stupid. Um, and it doesn't go any further than that. I, it seems like at least some of them seem to expect that if they stand up for their Freeman on the land type rights, then the court will say, "Oh, yep, you've got us. Yep, you yep, got us sorry. here. We're going to have to let you go because you mean, know the we, you know we the forced the rules. other people to go to prison, but you said the magic words, mm. you go free." Unfortunately for them, uh, that is not the case. No. Um, and so that's Soviet sovereign citizens. Yeah, nice it's an alliteration. It is, and, an and it's quite phenomenon. a fascinating little story because it's kind of the opposite of what's happening with freeman on the land stuff in mm. the west in the east it turns out you can get away with this mm. yeah i guess it's, it does seem to be as you say a feedback sort of thing where you have a um, poor state of infrastructure and and governance which leads to resentment which leads to these sorts of things which ends up making it harder to govern yeah. and maintain infrastructure yeah so there you have it, Soviet sovereign citizens. Now, the thing which I quite like about this is that technically either of us could actually buy a USSR passport. Technically, I suppose, yeah, given that they're just a thing. Yeah. So maybe you want to buy yourself a USSR passport. It's of no use to you in any way, mm. shape or form. You can't travel with it. But at the same time, having a Soviet passport, having a Soviet passport, and then never telling anyone about it, so it's found amongst mm. your effects when you die, would be brilliant. It's like that when my grandfather you. died, and we discovered that he had joined, joined the Druids as a young man. Good for him. So my grandfather had a, and I still have it to this day, a Druid membership card, which was basically the Freemasons that Catholics could join at that particular point in time. We have no idea he ever actually did anything with the Druids, but my, yes, my grandfather was a Druid. You heard it here first. Ooh. Sounds like an insult. Your grandfather was a Druid, but actually just a fact. No, Ooh. just a fact. Just a fact. Well, there we go. That is the end of this uh patron bonus content episode yeah entirely free of news updates and you've got but the hiccups I do have the hiccups yep it's because you're not feeling guilty about last week ah not really i've sublimated all my guilt i live a guilt-free existence um but yes next week we should be able to uh record at the usual time in the usual place for how much long we'll see my uh, what is it? It's the first week of December. Probably got a couple more episodes to go, yeah. don't we? Before, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Before things, people start going on holiday and all that wacky Christmas malarkey. Look at me talking like Joe Biden. Oh, yes. No, uh, there'll be no malarkey on nope, this podcast. No, no malarkey. malarkey. Fine. Um, but yes, so we'll, we'll have a few more this year, but uh, not this week because this is the end of this episode right now. Now, as usual, we love you. Mm. We cherish you. We want you in our hearts. In fact, I had a heart transplant the other day to put one of you inside of me. Mm. It did not go well. I'd had my heart put back inside. Turns out you just can't fit a full human being inside another human being's cavity. Science isn't there yet. No, but one day. One, one day. day. One day we'll miniaturize you and put you in our hearts. Inject That's you, a threat. Inject you directly into our veins. That's yes. what will happen. Yes, soon. Soon you'll be inside of us. Oh, You'll be so inside of us. Right, this has taken a disturbing turn, so I'm cutting you off, and I'm just going to say goodbye. La riva dare!